What's up, my podcast listeners? This is your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and we are going to do a presentation-styled episode today, and hopefully my setup is working because I'm like doing this weird Bluetooth thing through my phone and not through my computer. But um, last time I did one episode about the 10 mobility exercises that everyone should be doing and we're going to do a part two to it because looking into that previous episode i kind of just scratched the surface and i really wanted to get into um some more specifics and kind of address some things that um i didn't cover in the first one and it all kind of comes to this thought process of getting really specific questions from people and trying to cover as much as possible. And kind of what I'm getting at is uh, I was on a podcast recently and one of my last episodes I did on assessments, I kind of talked about the importance of getting an assessment and things like that. And also in that same podcast, we were talking about, you know, training around an injury, um, moving better, flexibility, mobility, things like that. And I think what people need to understand is that for true flexibility or mobility, and there's a difference between two, right? Flexibility is how you can move a joint in a passive position, whereas mobility, I look at it as more so having full active control of your joint in their outer limits, because that's where a lot of um, injury tends to happen. And when we have full control in our outer limits, then we almost become bulletproof. We become resilient. We become like Iron Man. Like we have this suit of armor around our body to take on external forces. And when people ask me like, you know, how do I get more flexible? They will always use that term. So I never kind of get, um, what's called bogged down by, um, technicalities like that. But if, for example, you ask somebody like say a dancer who tends to be quite flexible, how did you get, you know, that bendy, that flexible, And they'll be like, well, I would show up an hour before class started and put my leg on that bar and hold a hamstring stretch for like 30 minutes on one leg and 30 minutes on the other. That's kind of an extreme example, but that's how you make true change in any kind of um, flexibility scenario. So when I look at that and people go to the gym and they're like, Oh, I need to get more flexible because my back is tight or whatever it is. They tend to do the hamstring stretch for 30 seconds on one side and then 30 seconds on the other. That's not really going to do, um, you know, that much to, you know, your flexibility, just like if you did 30 seconds worth of exercise on one leg and then the other, and you expect that your hamstrings will, and your quads and your just your leg muscles in general are going to get stronger. Sure, there'll be some small adaptation, but at a cellular level, you're not going to make true tissue change. And that's where things like kin stretch comes into play. And the reason why I've been 
utilizing Kinstretch so much is it has a huge emphasis on active control. So if I have active control of my whole body and I have, you know, more feedback going into the joint capsule itself, then I will move better in my environment compared to I'm going to hold a hamstring stretch for 30 seconds per set, right? You're feeding information into your body, right? And that's the whole point of it. If I'm not feeding information to my joint capsule as much as possible, then it's not going to act the way I want it to prevent me from injuring myself or being able to take on more load. Because I look at kin stretch as a um, modality that kind of filters, not filters, but kind of bleeds into strength training, right? So if I utilize kin stretch to develop a better joint capsule and build my capacity at it, then my capacity goes up for more volume in the gym. And a lot of times people hit that plateau of how much volume they can take because of whatever they're overtrained or physically their body can't produce more force because their shoulder mobility, mobility sucks and their overhead press looks like this. Um, kind of getting on a tangent here because it is what it is, but I want to get into some specific things and we're going to get, well, I'm going to try to get into five, at least five mobility exercises for the hip, specifically for the hip, because in my opinion, I look at the hip as the epicenter of our body. A lot of power can be generated through our hips is directly um, directly related to our core, which allows us to stabilize certain movements and it produces force into our limbs. So things like, you know, lunges, jumping, single leg squats, all of those things require enough hip mobility. Now, before we start getting into the specific exercises, the thing we all need to understand is that in order for our hips to move well, the biggest thing is that we need capsular space. So if I have my hip joint and our hip joint is a ball and socket joint. So imagine my fist is the ball and my forearm is my femur, which is the bone in your thigh. And then that gets connected to your hip joint. And it's kind of like a socket, so kind of like this. And then your leg can move in all these different directions while your hip stays in that position. So what I mean by um, someone not having enough capsular space, that ball gets really, really close into that socket. And then when you do move, there's a pinching sensation or a block and you can't get any further. People experience this a lot when they're trying to squat or back squat and they kind of descend and they get to a point where they're like, yeah, I can't go any further. Sometimes that's structural and, you know, it is what it is. Depends on where your ancestors come from. Um, typically, Eastern Europeans like myself have really deep hip sockets and we can squat really low. A lot of um, Asian um, cultures, same thing, deep hip sockets. They're able to descend really, really deep into a squat. Um, that's why a lot of great um, 
Olympic weightlifters from China do really well, um, especially in the Olympic lifts, because again, you got to drop down into that deep squat position for a lot of those lifts. So sometimes it's structural, but that doesn't mean you can't improve your hip joints. So when I look at um, building a better hip, in order to get enough um, room in your hip joint, you want to have more hip internal rotation. So we're going to kind of go down that rabbit hole. Um, let's share my screen. Hopefully this works. All right. So hopefully I got a video to show you what hip internal rotation is. Actually, we can use this and I'm also going to make this screen, my screen bigger. So in this video, I'm demonstrating both hip internal and external rotation. And sorry that I'm not looking at you because I'm looking at my, but I'm going to pause here. Right here is hip internal rotation. And you can see by my face, I'm squeezing the shit out of it to get more. So a lot of times when I do an assessment, when someone comes to start training with me, I check hip internal rotation and it's like zero degrees to minus two. <laughs> like it's pretty terrible. Those same people will tell me, you know, my lower back hurts when I exercise or run or whatever they're doing for um, fitness. And, you know, when they do things like um, deadlifts or squats or lunges, their knees sometimes hurt, their hip gets a pinching feeling and all of it really like comes down to capsular space. So in anatomical terms, if I can get more hip internal rotation in someone's hip joint, then they'll have more room for that ball in the socket to move. So my lowest hanging fruit for people is getting them more hip internal rotation. So this exercise here, I'm going to let it play, is a great way just to move the hip through both uh, hip internal and external rotation. External rotation is going to be a whole other topic. We're going to be really focusing on internal today. When we do this back and forth, not only are we, well, I don't know what just happened. I, I think clicked something. Um, here we go. Um, anytime we move a joint, we're sending synovial fluid and we're lathering that thing up to be a healthier joint. The more I can do this, the better. So that's kind of the first step is how do I build more hip mobility? It's move your fucking shit. That's what I've been saying a lot lately. So it can move your shit, move your shit, but specifically in the directions that you lack. So hip internal rotation in this scenario would be a great one to um, start with. Um, the other thing that I tend to do from, again, a kin stretch perspective, um, Let's see if I can find, yeah. So we're going to go into pails and rails. So true tissue change, we need to influence the tissues involved in um, hip internal rotation, the motion that you want to build more in. So I guess this would be number one. 
the first exercise that you should be doing to gain more hip mobility because most likely you don't have a lot of hip internal rotation. I will say going kind of back to anatomical features, some people have a hip socket designed for a lot of hip internal rotation and like zero to none external rotation. So then you kind of do the reverse of what we're about to talk about. And that can be another separate conversation. But anyway, what we're going to do here, we have a dowel which is going to move our entire hip into internal rotation. And you can see at the bottom, it said, we're going to hold this for two minutes. One, we are stretching all the tissues responsible for hip internal rotation in this position. Yes, the hip is flexed at 90, but I'm not going to worry about that right now until we get really specific. And maybe if I have time, we can get to it. Um, so we're holding this for two minutes. The reason why we're holding a stretch for two minutes is when you look at the literature, when it comes to stretching, the moment you hold um, a position, a stretch, whatever you want to call it for two minutes, at least two minutes, the stretch receptors within the tissues that you're trying to influence kind of turn on and they're waiting for information. Once we have that, um, you'll see in this video, we're going to do something called a pales contraction, which is an abbreviation for uh, progressive angular isometric loading, fancy way of uh, isometric contraction. That's what we're doing. So in this case, my foot that is looped around that, well, it's not really looped, but on the opposite side of the dowel, I'm pushing into it. As I'm pushing into it, I'm trying to recruit all these muscles that are in their end range. That's the important thing is that if I'm supposed to get more range of motion for hip internal rotation, then I need to take it to its end range and influence the tissues at that point in order to get more. A lot of times this becomes one a nervous system thing because the reason why you feel tight is that your nervous system is sending those signals to protect you because it doesn't really understand if you're allowed to go a little bit further so if i can constantly communicate to my nervous system and go hey i need more range of motion going this way and the more you ask it the more it'll go okay i'll give you a degree more of hip internal rotation but to influence tissue change and lay down better tissue, an isometric loading pattern tends to work best because force is the language of the cells. And the moment I input a force signal, then those stretch receptors turn on and feed information that, okay, we're going to lay down better tissue here because there isn't an internal force coming in and we need to adapt to it. Similar to if I was doing bicep curls, the load of the dumbbell influencing my bicep going through flexion and extension needs to adapt to that stress. Same thing here. So really when you look at kin stretch, how I kind of explain it to people is that it's strength training for your joints. And then when they hear that, they're like, Oh, like that's really cool. Yeah. Cause we're not just holding a stretch for 30 seconds. And they're like, Oh, well, hopefully I get more flexible by doing that. Anyway, we're pushing it. Usually we hold this about 15 seconds. That's kind of the magic number as well. Why? I don't know. It's probably to do with some sort of research when it comes to um, 
um, any kind of physiological change. After we do that contraction, you'll notice that you'll get more range. So you'll see how my leg actually moves into a more range of motion. And then from there, we're going to do a rails contraction where I'm physically pushing my whole ankle off the dowel without me like pushing into it. So now we're doing a rails contraction, which is basically the opposite. So as I'm doing the rails contraction, I'm getting the other side of the hip joint. Because obviously, like if you think of the ball and socket, like there's so many different directions it can go. So I want to influence the tissues on both sides. So now we have two isometric uh, patterns to influence all the tissue. The more I do this, the more load that I place in those tissues and tendons and everything responsible for hip internal rotation, I'm going to adapt to it. And that's how we lay down better functioning tissue. Now imagine if I did this every single day, even if it was once for 30 days, guaranteed you would see a huge change in your hip. But it comes down to if you're actually going to do it. And a lot of times when I work with people, I'll tell them like, this is your homework. I want you to do this every single day multiple times a day if you can a lot of times they'll just do the stuff that we do when they see me and they're like oh, i'm not changing it's like just like anything else like i want to lose weight exercise as much as possible but they end up only exercising when they come see me and they're like oh things are not changing it's like well what else are you doing on all the other days that you're not with me anyway that's how we kind of get started. There's plenty of different ways that you can get into hip internal rotation. This just becomes, um, you know, the creativity aspect of kin stretch. But for the sake of this video, um, we will show one more variation. Uh, if I have it, there we go. And this is an old video too. This was probably when I just got certified through the FRC. Yeah. So hip 90, 90, but my torso has rotated to influence this hip here. So again, holding for two minutes, deep, deep breaths. And now the pales contraction is with this leg, I'm pushing this ankle down into the ground because that's going to influence this hip that we're trying to target. Now I'm trying to squeeze more, push more, trying to get deeper into the stretch. This one says 10 seconds, but again, things change. You can do 10 to 15, you can do 20 seconds. Is more better? I don't know, but 10 to 15 seconds tends to be that magic number for an isometric contraction. And now I'm trying to lift that ankle off the ground, which will be impossible. Again, we're in my end range. If I leaned back in that position, I'll be able to lift it, but I want to be forward as much as possible to get a better contraction in my end range. Cause that's what we're trying to train to get more range of motion. So same thing, trying to lift, 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 lift. And I might cramp whatever it is. The other thing here, and this will be number two, and hopefully we have enough time to get through everything. But um, when we are doing this, a lot of times um, 
because your body's not used to the whole idea of doing an isometric contraction or even recruiting the muscles involved in that hip internal rotation position, you might actually end up cramping. Cramping is kind of like a neurological response of like your brain sending a signal to the muscles, but the muscles don't really understand the movement yet. And then they end up cramping because that's, they're hoping that that's what you want. It's one of those things that you need to get through and eventually you'll gain more access to your tissue. So now imagine you having more access to your hip internal rotation muscles. So then when you do a lower body exercise, you get activate more. So in my head, I'm like, if I can get really good at this, then I'm going to get better results when I do lunges, squats, deadlifts, whatever it is, because they all require hip internal rotation, right? This is training smarter, not harder. Um, so in this, there's a couple things. If I had someone that had like really, really bad hips, I may do another set of this, right? I may do um, another two minute hold in their new range that they just got. And then same thing, rinse and repeat after what you want to do is challenge that new range of motion to kind of reinstate to your nervous system that, you know, this is my new normal. So something as simple as, um, active range of liftoffs, like in this video and, just an FYI, my hip internal rotation is a lot better than this now. So all I'm doing in that same position is just lifting my hip into internal rotation. I'm doing an okay job, but I can already see that I'm leaning forward and cheating quite a bit. See how I lean forward and like my face is just telling you how difficult this is. Right? So this is exercise number three. From here, and if hopefully I have a video for it. Oh, no. I need to move this somewhere else. I think how that works. Yeah. So now we get into something called um, passive range liftoffs. So for one, what you're trying to do is... In that first video where I showed you that my active range of motion was, say it's 20 degrees, I would try to find a thing like a yoga block that would take me into my end range. And from here, I would try to lift as much as possible. So now I'm working in my end range again, actively. So I'm just trying to lift, 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 lift. This one definitely sucks and you will probably cramp. So this is now exercise number four. So we're doing pretty good. And then we'll take it a little step further. We're similar to what we did um, prior in that standing position. So I'm not counting that, but in this lying down position, we're gonna go between external and internal rotation, just back and forth. Again, reinforcing to our nervous system that we are trying to stay in that range that we got from our stretch or pails and rails contraction. This is number five. I'm gonna give you a couple more and then we can kind of maybe finish up and talk about um, why 
this is going to influence a lot more than we think. So again, we're back into a 90-90. And what we're doing with that trailing leg is taking it through external rotation again and back to internal rotation, but holding there and trying to drive that ankle up. Again, challenging exercise, but again, sometimes what we need to do is kind of keep loading those um, tissues that are responsible for hip internal rotation. So now this is number six for our exercises. Maybe I, we might get through maybe seven, right? Same thing, external and internal. Might not look like a lot of internal, but holding that into basically a hip abduction hover and then try to lift the ankle to internal, it's not gonna go that high. Let's uh, see if I can get one more exercise. It's basically the same thing. Again, this one's also good too to throw in because then we're also influencing um, the groin for all of your adductors. So it's nice and simple to do a rock back to hip internal rotation, a little bit more active with a little bit more movement, something super simple. And just a heads up that this was filmed in 2017. Wow, there we go. Anyway, let's stop the screen share and kind of wrap it up here because I'm starting to run out of time. So hip internal rotation, we had two, pails and rails uh, options that you can start throwing in. Um, we did a supine hip internal and external rotation. We did a hip 90-90 active range liftoff. We did a hip 90-90 passive range liftoff. We did a um, hip 90-90 internal and external rotation. And last one was the frog. I think that's seven, maybe eight. If you include that first one standing with the two dowels, uh, that would be eight. So how would you implement this? What I do is I throw in 30 minute kin stretch sessions every single day. And I basically pick maybe two joints, sometimes one to really focus. If you looked at my mobility exercises, everybody should be doing part one. We did the cars routine. That's how I start my kin stretch every single day. It can be a standing position, kneeling position, half kneeling position, whatever. I start with that. That's like 10 minutes. And then say if you did all the stuff that we just did now, that would probably take you up to another 20 minutes. And now you have a 30 minute mobility specific for your hip to move better. Done. That could be a recovery day. That could be an extra workout at the end of your day or the first thing in the morning. It can be wherever you want to fit it in. Heck, if you want to throw this stuff into your workouts, why not? Throw in that two-minute stretch at the end of your workout and one of those hip 90-90 active range liftoffs. Do this every day. And in a month, guaranteed, your hips are going to feel amazing and you'll have access to all this new range of motion and tissue and your workouts are going to be better. 
The reason why hip internal rotation is so important is that it gives you more hip extension. So you're also indirectly working hip extension because you have more room in your capsule for that um, femur to move. So I think I'll do a part three for hip mobility and we're gonna look specifically to hip extension now. So this is kind of how I organize things is we go hip internal rotation first, then extension, and then it kind of really depends from there. Because again, every single person's a little bit different. So I'm gonna end it there. Thank you so much for you guys listening and watching. Um, for those who haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, please do so. I am getting really close to 500. I think we're at 422. We're growing quite a bit. Um, the more subscribers I have, the more reach I'll have to give all this information to. If you leave a comment or like a video, that also pushes me through that algorithm in YouTube. So please do so. Thank you so much. Until next time.